And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davidson, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. But we also have a special guest, uh, Sham. Welcome on. And um, Sham, why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know? I mean, unless someone's a Pistons fan who's listening to this, they may not know who you are. So go ahead and just give us an idea of who you are, where people can find you before we get into this pod. Sure. First of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, excited to give you my hot takes. Uh, you can follow me at Sham Sham God on Twitter. That's where the majority of my content lies. Um, I have a podcast called the Two Gods and a Goose podcast where like a sports, pop culture, satire, podcast. Um, and then I kind of move around when I write pieces. So just be on the lookout for my Twitter. If I ever write a piece, it could be at any site, really. So. So yeah, glad to be on. Sounds good. We uh as you know, we both listened to your most recent podcast and we were both disappointed in, you know, the non-pineapple takes on pizza at least. And so uh I know Ethan stopped listening at that point. So Yeah, no, I I just, you know, I was not in a, sp- a safe space. I didn't want to get my feelings hurt and I'm very sensitive, so I needed to uh to avoid further uh further pain. Sure. Yeah. I mean, nothing compares to the pain of putting a pineapple on a pizza. So yikes! Thanks. Now I'm triggered. Well, we, we should we should then I guess focus on NBA. Something we can all agree on. Um, get past the pizza, uh, and we're here to kind of kind of year in review. Although not all the games are totally done yet, we we today are going to focus in on all NBA. Um, some of our all NBA picks. Um, while the season's not done, I think we have a pretty good picture as to where things lie and, and who we're feeling. Um, let's go ahead and do it this way, guys. Let's go ahead and start with the center position, and we'll kind of go back and just get shorter along the way uh, throughout the rest of the podcast. Um, so first team center, first team center, who is who's the guy who, for you, uh, let's go ahead and start with Ethan, and then, then we'll go Sham. Ethan, who do you have as your first team center? Joel Embiid is my first team center. Um, the only knock I have against him is that he self-proclaims himself as such. You know, he's the most dominant um, offensive player in the league, as he said before that Bucks matchup. But it's to me, it's he is the most dominant center in the game defensively. He's he's a beast. Does get a little you know chasing blocks happening. You know, misses out on some easier defensive rebounds, but ultimately he puts up crazy stats. Um, definitely is this focal point of that um, that offense. Um, honestly, the only blemish to his game is that he, his willingness to just chuck threes when he's okay at them. But at four attempts per game, I would like to see that maybe just two. show him that you'll take them, but you don't need to maybe throwing them up. Yeah. I, for, for Joel Embiid, obviously he's the guy who's, you know, highest points per, uh, per game out of all these centers that we're going to talk about today. And, you know, obviously a, uh, in the post, it's really hard to handle him. Most centers don't even have a chance, uh, you like the idea and you know, the theoretical, Hey, he can space the floor. He can shoot threes, but shooting only 30%, even for a center, you'd like to see that number uh, be up a little bit. Um, defensively, like you mentioned, he is, you know, he's got uh, almost near two, two blocks a game. So uh, up near the top of the guys that we'll mention today, but per- perimeter defense, you know, sometimes he doesn't like to go out and, and guard those guys. Like you can think about some of their matchups with, Al Horford, where he's kind of been stretched and hasn't really felt comfortable uh, against against teams like the Celtics, teams that have those guys. Um, 
but you know, it, it's reasonable. I mean, I, we're all going to have him somewhere on, on our list here. Uh, but Sham, who, uh, what were your thoughts about um, where Ethan has, uh, you know, Joel Embiid? So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was either between Jokic or Embiid. Um, it's kind of like whatever flavor you like um, at the time. Uh, I, I, I personally went with uh, Jokic for the first spot. I think he has been a more complete offensive player. The entire Denver offense runs through him, runs with him. Um, he might not have the defensive stats that that Joel Embiid has, but I think just being the focal point and engine of the uh, of the second best team's offense um, kind of says a lot about him. So that's why I went with him above Joel Embiid. I think Embiid is elite defensively, but like you said, he has his shortcomings when it comes to his offensive game. So that's why he gets a slight knock for me. Yeah, for, for me, I also I went with Jokic as my first team. Just all, what all he does for for Denver. Um, at the beginning of the year, when we were making our um, you know all all NBA predictions, you know, I ended up uh, I wanted to mention uh, someone from Denver. I, I went with uh, with with Murray, which was obviously a poor choice. Uh, but really, if you look at Jokic, he's essentially r- running the team as a, as a point guard, but he's their center. He's such a unique player uh, with with the way he makes your team be able to operate. And I, he's averaging you know, seven seven and a half assists a game. Which you know, you think about other bigs who are ball dominant facilitators, like even Blake Griffin. Uh, he only has about five and a half, so a whole two extra assists per game. Uh, Jokic is having then someone like him who is known to be like point Blake, right? So as I look at all the ways he's contributing um, to winning basketball, to them being uh, the two seed in the West and defensively, he hasn't been awful. He hasn't been the worst. So I, I like his improvement on that. And I think that, you know, I want to recognize his uh, him being first team uh, on NBA center. And, and to beef up your argument there, Richard and Sham, um, per basketball reference and per 100 possessions, his, their defensive rating is actually very comparable, Joel Embiid to Nikola Jokic. Um, Joel Embiid's defensive rating is 104 and Nikola Jokic is 105. With that in mind, like that that says a lot about you know the team around him and how they all kind of come together. But like it, that's that's a you know feather in y'all's cap for saying he's a little bit better. I just ultimately like it doesn't. It's not as aesthetically pleasing for me. I mean, obviously the passing is fun, but like I think there's something about like you know the a little bit of old school basketball. I do appreciate of Joel Embiid's game, and I was expecting when I did the player comparison to see Jokic shooting a much higher percentage from three than Embiid, and that was gonna be my like, oh well, you know what? Maybe you guys are right. I'm still sticking with my pick, but they he's shooting three, uh, thirty one percent from three versus thirty. So now I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Embiid. But like when it comes to second team, I'm going Jokic, and it's because the margin is not all that different. That's fair. I mean, uh, I I have Embiid in second team, so like 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 Sham, like you mentioned before, it's kind of whatever you whatever you feel, whatever um, flavor you like. Um, so yeah, that that's where I have Embiid. Yeah, I have him there as well in the second team. Um, I I think Jokic and Embiid are in a in a class of their own when it comes to centers in the league, and. If you flip them one and two, two and one, uh, I just don't feel like it makes that much of a difference. Um, I imagine the voting when the, when the actual voting comes out, uh, I imagine it'll more likely than not be split down the middle for both of these guys for first and second team. So we'll see. Uh, I have him uh, at, at the second team as well. So 
Third team center is really more interesting. Yeah, I think so as well. The only th- other thing I'd mention uh, here is that Jokic has, you know, about um, almost uh, 15 more games played than Embiid. So that for me also kind of pushes pushes this, um, it over for me for Jokic. But yeah, third team is definitely where we get more interesting. After this top tier, we end up, we could go in a number of different directions. Um, so Ethan, who did you end up landing on with, with your third, third team center? Upon some more statistical scouring, I came to realize that Marcus Ald- LaMarcus Aldridge has played 95% of his minutes at center, per basketball reference. And with that in mind, I couldn't leave him off this list. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is my third team center. Um, I, I look at it the way he carries the Spurs offense, and I think he's an underrated defensive anchor, even though the Spurs defense as a whole is bad, but I attribute that to a lot of other below-average defensive players. Um, ultimately, Marcus Aldridge, mid-range god. It's not the um, the aesthetic that is um, is the t- the taste of the league right now, but he rock he rocks what he's got, and it's um, I'm very happy to watch him do it. And I think he's better a better option than the uh, other centers we're going to come up with here in a bit. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, they the, this is a team that is. They're currently the eight seed in in the Western Conference. Who knows after all the games are done where it'll officially shake out. But, you know, a huge reason why they've remained consistent, why they've remained in the picture um, with the loss of Kawhi, although Kawhi only played a few games last year. But, yeah, he's he's been good. Um, You know, you and Elkin talked uh, a bit about him in the last pod that we had. Uh, And so if you want, I guess, further in-depth analysis, you can go there. Uh, Shame, who do you got? So, uh, you know, this one was tough. It really came down to uh, Rudy Gobert, who is, you know, might be the defensive player of the year. I, I personally have, have Giannis for that. But in the conversation for defensive player of the year, um, the Utah Jazz are a, you know, four seed or, or a five seed right now. We'll see where they shake out, uh, you know, by the end of the year. But they will be in the upper tier of the conference. Um, but I think that Rudy Gobert is limited offensively. And that's why I went with Andre Drummond, who, if you watch the Pistons, which I, I know a lot of people don't, um, he is a the, the best rebounder I've ever seen in my life, uh, both with putbacks and with just snagging boards and limiting second chance points for opponents. Um, defensively, he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He might be the best perimeter defending center in the league. Um, I think he averages like either 1.5 or 1.7 steals per game um, and a lot of them are you know at the perimeter just poking balls loose and uh, Andre Drummond also you know is the guy is is pretty much the second option on that Pistons team you know behind Blake Griffin and and the team got a lot better when Andre Drummond played better um, so that's kind of why I went with Andre Drummond I won't die on the hill with choosing him over Rudy Gobert, but I, th- I think that he does deserve a lot of consideration for that third team center. I mean, I'm in the greens. Uh, I picked Andre Drummond for third team, uh, third team center at the beginning of the year. Ethan called me a homer, which, you know, it's, it's true. I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. Um, yeah. I mean, an argument could be made for, uh, for Rudy Gobert, other names that people might mention, Carl Anthony Towns, just because the offensive ability that he has. Um, nah. I yeah I I'm not there, <laughs> but you know just he's he's shooting un, ungodly forty percent from three, which is which is ridiculous. But we're not there yet. We're not talking about him. Um, Andre Drummond, yeah, one and a half. Uh, sorry, one point seven steals and one point seven blocks. 
Um, if you look at the other centers, um, you know, they'll rack up some blocks, but they're uh, usually not there um, for the, for the steals. And so that's one of the things, one of the areas that I think Andre Drummond becomes overlooked just because people don't look to centers to get steals, but he's one of those guys who does it. Like you said, a lot of the times on the perimeter and ever since coming back from his concussion, um, right, right around the uh, all-star break, he's, he's been on a tear. He's been, he's been awesome. And it's, you know, not a lot of people watch the Pistons. They're just not a team that you go out of your way to watch unless you particularly care about them. Um, people can listen to me talk all about the Pistons on, you know, I, I went, I went all into this on, on the Pistons uh, state of the franchise a few weeks ago, but uh, yeah, I, I have him. I'm going to remain a homer. I'm going to have him for my third team, uh, all NBA center, even though I know he probably won't get it. Say so in, in the, Looking to be transparent, like I, I had Rudy Gobert as the third team until I realized I could put Lamarcus Aldridge there at center. Um, my argument for Rudy Gobert over Drummond is, yeah, I, I agree with Sham saying that he is pretty limited offensively. He doesn't like create offense for himself, but part of the things he does, it's it's you know similar to Drummond in a lot of ways that he gets the ball in the high post, makes makes a good pass here or there, like he picks up some you know assist in that way, um, but. The dunk is, you know, an underrated stat. And while Drummond does it also very well, like Rudy Gobert, every time he gets within the vicinity of the rim, he dunks the ball. And he's, you know, scoring similar points per game. He's, he affects the team's offensive rating to a high degree. Like if that team doesn't have him or Donovan Mitchell, the team's trash, much like it, the Blake Griffin and Drummond show. But ultimately, like, I think Rudy Gobert's defense is that much better and so I would go with um, Rudy Gobert over over Andre Drummond. One of the things that Rudy Gobert, like you like you mentioned, like he he he's a role man. He he finishes a lot of lot of lot of possessions with dunks, and so his field goal percentage is miles above all the other centers that we're talking about. Just because, even though he's limited, he does know his role very well, and he he doesn't really veer from it. That was one of the knocks that you could have made about Drummond, uh, you know, him wanting to get to his post ups. He's limited that this year. Um, I just, I just think that the way that Andre Drummond has, um, has really gone on a tear and impacted his, his rebounding is, you know, people a lot of times want to knock his individual rebounding stats and they'll mention things like rebound percentage, uh, team rebound percentage, um, when you're on and off the court. And I don't know, I don't, I just, I see what happens when he's not out there. I see Zaza trying to get boards. It just, and Thon Maker out there, it, it does not work when he's not out there. Um, rebounding is is a huge skill, and you know the offensive boards as well, especially. Right. I just um, pulled a stat, so I looked and like tried to figure out how many people in the NBA who have at least one like one and a half steals, one and a half blocks currently in this season, and there's just two. It's Anthony Davis um, and Andre Drummond, and Anthony Davis has played twenty less games. Yep. So I think that goes to show like Andre Drummond is defensively playing with the big boys. You know, it, Rudy Gobert might be a better defender, more impactful, but I think Andre Drummond's defense is being overlooked in this argument. And also his field goal percentage is low because, I mean, maybe this is a knock on him, but Andre Drummond, every time he grabs his rebound, he's going to try and go back up. And he might have three, four or five opportunities to do that where he continues to grab rebounds, but he keeps putting the ball up. So although he might get four rebounds on a possession, He'll also have four missed, you know, missed field goals. Mm-hmm. So everything needs to be put in perspective with the eye test. I'm I'm a firm believer in balance in both. So if mm-hmm. you look at the stats, sure, he's very inefficient from the field. But if you look at where his shots come from, then you'll kind of understand that, okay, maybe 
they're not like just inefficient possessions. He's genuinely trying to put the ball back up and he's just missing, but getting the rebound himself. So, yeah, no. And I, that's, that's a spot on, you know, I test stuff right now. I'm looking at basketball references breakdown by distance and like Rigo Bear shooting 74% with it in three feet and Andre Drummond is shooting uh, 65%. And I think that, you know, backs up exactly what you're saying is that, you know, he'll get hit the rebound and go right back up with it right away. And, you know, that's going to lead to more misses, especially if you're counting some of these tips that people throw up there as yep. a shot attempt, which is, as it should, you're going to, you're going to reduce your field goal percentage. So I think that's spot on. You know, and I do, I do like the fact you guys are mentioning that, you know, he is forcing steals and that's like an, definitely an underrated thing. You know, if Hassan Whites would ever get into a defensive stance, like maybe, <laughs> maybe he would, uh, you know, be in this conversation like he was, you know, three years ago, but ultimately I like the entire Utah jazz system is built around Rudy O'Bear's defensive um, abilities. Yeah. And we can look at that as a positive or a negative is like, well, maybe he's limited under drums a little bit more versatile, but I, I do take the, uh, that Rudy Gobert is a special type of defensive player, but you know, we're parsing here. Like I definitely have been more convinced, like after talking to you guys about Andre Drummond than I was uh, before the conversation. Well, we were glad, we're glad to help you out in that way, Ethan, but still not convinced. Fair enough. Um, all right. So if, and I think that's it for centers. Um, let's get to the, the forwards. Um, uh, Sham, who do you got for your, uh, for your forwards? Who do I start with? Do I do both at the same time or just do one at a time? Or what do you think? Yeah, just throw them both out there. Why not? All right. So for my first team, uh, I think it's a no brainer. Giannis is, you know, an MVP. He, I mean, he's my MVP. So he's clearly on there. Um, I think this, the second spot came down to a few different people. I ended up going with Paul George because I think defensively, Paul George, maybe not lately, but at a certain point in the season, he was a strong consideration for defensive player of the year. I mean, he was the, the Thunder's best defender. He still might be the best defender on the Thunder. Um, he does it on both ends of the court. Uh, you know, offensively, he's a good player. Um, he was impactful. The Thunder, I think, you know, ascended all the way to, I think, the two or three seed when Paul George is really hitting a stride. So I think that team kind of, you know, although it is Russell Westbrook's team, it kind of goes as Paul George goes. Um, and that's kind of how it was when KD was, uh, you know, on the Thunder as well. But yeah, so I chose I chose Paul George for my second spot. So Giannis and Paul George, first team. Yeah, I think Giannis is like obviously. We, we if anyone were to leave him off the first team, you know, we just we totally just cancel them and and we're done with them. But uh, yeah, so I have Giannis and I also have Paul George as well. I think that with Paul George, his shooting this season, pre shoulder injury, um, of late it's gone down, but his. His shooting this season has been has been awesome. Uh, he's he's out there shooting nearly thirty nine percent from three, which has really offensively kept the th- like offensively the Thunder are super limited. I mean, Russ for you know, we'll mention him today, but he's had one of the worst shooting seasons of, of his career, and we know some of the other guys out there aren't contributing on the offensive end. So essentially, it's been it's been Paul George carrying that team offensively all year long. Um, on the defensive end, you know, he's got more steals than anyone that we're going to talk about on the forward, on this forward list at two and uh, 2.2. And, and so when you pair that, the defense and the offense, I know Ethan loves the phrase two way, two way ability. Um, uh, Paul George really, really embodies that. And he's been playing phenomenally all year long. Um, the, I think Kevin Durant's the other person that, uh, you could mention here, but for me, I'm going Paul George. So I had mentioned Kevin Durant, and then I 
actually did a player comparison, which I'm glad I actually learned how to use this tool properly. And I changed my mind almost immediately. It was one of those things that, like, originally I'm like, okay, they're having basically the same season. I'm going to go with Kevin Durant because just, like, as, as, as a tiebreaker, I go with the guy I think's the better player. But the fact that Paul George is doing this on a team that is so offensive limited, he's playing with the superstars, having one of his worst seasons statistically of shooting the ball um, since his beginning of his career in Russell Westbrook. Paul George is the reason this team was competitive and was looked at as the uh, a primary threat to Golden State. Although, honestly, all threats to Golden State are relatively um, a stupid conversation to have, in my opinion. But I changed my mind. I am going with Paul George as well. Um, the 30, 30, almost 39% from three this year is um, kind of a staggering thing, and he's shooting nine 9.7 a game. So he's getting them up. Like he's not wasting that 39% by, you know, taking taking five. And, you know, I the team does not have a lot of spacing. There's only one other, like, technically uh, dominant offensive player on that team. And, yeah, I, I think Paul George, you know, you got to look at surrounding talent. And Kevin Durant has a lot of help, and Paul George does not. So if, if we are in if, – if we're consistent with uh, our first team, let's let's – Begin to go to our second team forwards. Uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of difference here. I assume then, Ethan, that you have uh, Kevin Durant as your second team forward. That One is true. Uh, Kevin Durant is my, like, he would be the number three on my list. Uh, Kev, he is on the second team. Um, still having a great year. Um, I was really surprised looking at the stats. He's only shooting 35% from three. Like, that just seems low for a guy with his his shooting ability. So that was um, disappointing to actually see the statistic in front of my face. Um, and my other guy is is Blake Griffin, to be honest. And so I get to be the uh, you know homer on behalf of you guys for this pick. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Blake Griffin was one of my like preseason like, hey, I think this guy he's just he's just going to be great. He's gonna he's gonna crush it all year. He's gonna be the reasons the Pistons you know miss like barely miss or make the playoffs. I think I had them at the nine seed to be honest. Um, but regardless, I'm I'm going with with Blake Griffin. He's the reason the, the Pistons have a shot in every game. And, you know, Andre Drummond, you, you deserve the praise you're getting. But, yeah, it's it's still Blake. It's still Blake as the engine. So I agree with you, Ethan. Here's where our group think uh, comes in. Kevin Durant, obviously, uh, with the season. I mean, he's had a healthy season. He's been awesome as well the whole the whole year. But, you know, uh, we, we, we wanted to have Paul George ahead of him. Blake Griffin, my second team on BA Ford. Again, you, you can kind of see when you know, so Blake just kind of went out with a with um, an injury, a knee injury, and he's missed the past few games. And man, the Pistons have looked uh, have looked rough. We we tried to sneak in um, a Blake rest game against Cleveland, and it did not go well. And we lost that game. And and like whenever he's not out there offensively, we become we become limited. And whether that's because Reggie Jackson, uh, Andre Drummond pick and roll, which which you know was the staple of what we did beforehand, uh, or or just a lack of forward depth because now we got to get John Luer some minutes, or or maybe I guess it's Glenn uh, Robinson the third. Point is, he is incredibly incredibly important to our team, and without him, we are. I mean, we might as well be a, a top five team in the lottery I, it's just it's really rough when he's not out there he is shooting uh over 35 percent. i think it's what 36 is 36 percent. i think 36.5 percent. he's shooting better from three yeah he's shooting better than three from durant on two more attempts per game that is like something i don't think anyone would have predicted like to say oh, no. four years ago like that just that's that never would have 
crossed anyone's mind. And and I said this before, but the way people envision Blake, if they haven't been watching the Pistons this year, is oh, he's the same type of guy as before. He's just a dunker. He's just someone who is going to be relying on his athleticism. Um, and he does do some bully ball uh, quite a bit. But at the same time, he's remodeled his game where he's not really an above-the-rim uh, type of player anymore. And so people think, well, he's, he's getting older. His injuries are piling up. Maybe he's just going to fall off a cliff. But because he's been able to open up his his shot and, and spread the floor more uh, and you know continue to work as a facilitator, he's done a really good job to at least make me less afraid that those last years um, out at the end of this long contract are, you know, at the beginning, it was like, man, those could be really, really bad. But the fact that he's been able to to do this, um, it, it's really encouraging to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys on on Blake Griffin. I just think um, there are a couple guys who are ahead of him right now. You know, I have KD, obviously, you know, on that on the second team. I think that's like a lock for everybody for second team. Um, and then I have Kawhi Leonard over him. And I, I think Kawhi, all, like, although he's taken a lot of time off due to load management and whatever, um, I think when he's on the floor, he's very impactful. And I think Blake Griffin's one knock is that he's not, um, you know, a defensive stalwart by any means. And Kawhi Leonard can literally change the game in very similar ways that Rudy Gobert can um, on the defensive end. And I think the Toronto Raptors wouldn't be where they are. Like, they would not be where they are today without Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, if they had the team from last year, I don't think they'd be a, a, a one or two seed at all. Um, but Kawhi Leonard changes their their offense, their dynamic, their defense, and I think a lot of their success is, is attributed to Kawhi. I'm of the mindset that they'd be right. They'd be like in the two or three seed. Like they'd be right there with Philadelphia if they still traded DeRozan and Kawhi just wasn't around. They would have found a replacement level player for a uh, small forward. I think they'd still be that good. I think Kyle Lowry would score more points per game. He would keep the assist numbers high. I think they'd still be a really effective regular season team. But what we're missing with that analysis is that the peak form the Raptors can hit with Kawhi Leonard is is a really terrifying proposition because he is. He has the ability to rise over defenders. He has the ability to, to shoot, a th- like, you know, come off screens and shoot threes. Like, there's really nothing on the basketball court he can't do um, offensively or defensively. He can he can uh, muster up the strength to guard a center for a possession at a time, and he can stick with a Kyrie for, you know, probably 80% of the possession. Kyrie's probably going to get away from him eventually, but you guys get the idea. I think I think you're right, Sham, that he's definitely a better player than Blake Griffin. He's definitely a more complete player than Blake Griffin. But ultimately, I am dinging him for the games he's missed with the load management stuff. And that it kind of works out for like the way I put my teams together. I was like, okay, I put up the guys who have played all season and put forth a specific brand of basketball all season long. And then my third team guys are the guys who are just, you know, awesome, amazing players, but I'm dinging them for their either durability issues or the fact that they they needed rest to make sure they maintain their body. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, for me that's the knock as well. It's like you played fifty eight games. Like you might hit sixty if you don't do the load management stuff the rest of the you know the rest of the season. For me, obviously, yeah, he's he's a better player than than Blake Griffin is. Uh, Blake Griffin has been asked to do more this year, and be it being a regular season award, uh, I feel like I want to reward that. Now, when the playoffs come around, if Kawhi is there every day, you know, that's a different discussion, but you know, that's, that's the playoffs. That's not this, this year. And, but you know, he overall talent wise, you know, I get it. Uh, he with, with the Raptors playing the way that they are and the high peak that they can hit. If you, if you want to overlook 
those those you know load management games then you know that's 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 fine i think that's reasonable yeah i just think he's more impactful when he is on the court than blake griffin is but yeah you're right he is he is asked to do a lot um and and that's honestly why i have blake griffin in the next uh third team uh slot so not too far behind yeah and with that in mind i think we're ready to move on to that you've already mentioned blake griffin as your you know a slot on the third team who's the other guy who uh makes the list for you there so I this one gave me a lot of pain. Um, I, I I so I'm a big LeBron fan. I've always been a fan of LeBron. Uh, you know, throughout his career, it, you know, in spite of him, you know, in his Cleveland days, beating up on my Pistons on a regular basis. Um, I just I just feel like this season he really hasn't been um, present. You know, he's been injured. He's been absent on defense the majority of the year he is putting up great numbers and that's honestly why i put him on the third team um i originally had lamarcus aldridge until you know um ethan had had mentioned that he is uh you know a center so lebron gets my nod but begrudgingly so Man, I was really hoping for the let's leave LeBron off all NBA. You know, I was really ready for that take, Sham. So. I tried finding just one other guy. Like I, I, I like I like went to the bottom of the barrel. I was looking at Chris Middleton, and I was like, that just can't. Like, can't do that. Yeah, you just can't. Just have Man. to choose LeBron in this situation. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's the last guy for me as well. If, if, if I'm not going to ding Kawhi Leonard, who's played a few more games than him, then can I really? Ding LeBron. I mean, maybe because Kawhi Leonard brings it on on the defensive end, while LeBron is just you know has been absent. Um, man, his help defense has been really really bad. Uh, but I really you know, like you said, I, I wanted to kind of leave leave him off of this. I don't know what you could do. I mean, Ben Simmons is he is? I mean, no, he, no, no. Okay, he's, and he's also a point guard. Richard, keep that fair in enough. Fair enough. All these positions. All yeah, positions are pointless. But yeah, I mean, I think that if you at this point, you've got to make a, a decision of, okay, are you really willing to leave uh, you know, LeBron James, top two, top three player of all time, off because of how, how badly things went for his team and, and maybe he was kind of partially to blame in, in all of that? I I don't know. Um, I, I could be convinced, but the problem is who's the other guy that you're going to bring in to convince? To, to, to convince? I mean, we mentioned before, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, he is officially listed as a forward or center for all NBA purposes. Are we, are we not down for that? If he can't beat out Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert, and LaMarcus Aldridge, how are we going to put him over LeBron James there, okay, Richard? That's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah. actually, how many times do you think Carl uh, Anthony Towns has beaten Andre Drummond in his career? Ethan, that's a question for you. I have no idea. Because I know. It's not something and, I would think about. So including the, the All-Star game, Cat has never once beaten Andre Drummond. Wow. So that's why like he's soft and he deserves to be off off the list. I I rant about him on my pod um on not one but two episodes. So if you want to hear my full unadulterated thoughts on that, tune into mine. But yeah, doesn't deserve a spot in my mind. No, and I'm honestly with you. Like, I think Carlton Towns for me has always been like the like, he's just disappointed me on so many different turns. Because I, I remember watching him in college, and you know, I'm from you know Southern Indiana, so the hatred for UK as an entity like is really de- deep seated in me. So like I was rooting against him so hard, and to see him you know not match up with uh, Frank Kaminsky in, in that game, I was like, yes, thank goodness. But like once he gets to the NBA, I always let those you know those UK hatred go away because obviously I love John Wall, but 
Conley Towns, man, like he, he's got all the physical tools you could ask for. He's got soft touch, you know, good hands on his jump shot. And man, it just ultimately comes down to disappointment. And like, you know, hearing that he's never beat the, beat, beat uh, Andre Drummond or, you know, what? let's not even say Andre Drummond. He's never beat the Pistons and how like also mediocre the Pistons have been over these years. Like that's just a really gross embarrassment on uh, anyone who's a cat stand. <sighs> well, I think that brings us to the end of the forwards. Nope, I gotta talk about LeBron. Okay. Um, oh yeah, fine. Oh, I forgot. Real, real quick, LeBron definitely like this is what we expect out of LeBron this year in terms of just numbers. Like if you like go on his career stat line, twenty seven point four versus twenty seven point two, up a rebound, up an assist to eight versus seven on both categories. His field goal percentage is all lined up. The only thing that's different um, is his free throw. It's 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 a took a dip. But everyone that's ever watched LeBron play, ever watched NBA basketball, knows that this guy's not engaged on the defensive end. He's not putting forth max effort. There's just a lot missing, and he's leaving a lot to be desired um, from his actual play. Production's there, and that's like that is honestly like I think the biggest reason to put him on there is this man's out here joking around and half trying, and he he still makes basketball look easy. And aside from a Mario Hazonia block on him. <laughs> he hasn't he really hasn't had like a moment where you're like, yeah, he's not at the same. It just, you know, percentages have dipped a little bit and the, t- the surrounding talent is abysmal. But I think it speaks to as well like LeBron James is knows how to manipulate the the media's um, you know, coverage of him. Like he is always hyper aware of of the thoughts that other people have about him and I think that for him he's he just kind of decided this year, you know what, this team is not really what it was. I, I didn't get Anthony Davis and I'm just going to put up numbers, box score numbers that look really, really nice. And uh, okay. It didn't, didn't quite work out. We didn't make the playoffs, but I mean, if you look at my box box score, you can't blame me. Let's blame the other guys. Let's blame, you know, whoever else it is that's out there. And so he's, I, I don't know. I think that there's a little bit of that going on in play with him that, if you think about how much how much crap Russ gets for kind of his you know box score numbers, I don't know. LeBron kind of does a little bit of that as well. I think uh, at least he has this year. Well, he's he's honestly playing with with players that are you know inadvertently playing defense against that team's winning. I mean, he's yeah. just I mean Rondo and and Michael Beasley who left to play in China. Like what like, what were they thinking uh, in constructing that team? It was as if a four-year-old had picked random players out of a hat, and then they're like, oh, let's just sign all these guys. And they are the most ill-fitting parts to put around LeBron James. And and I've been telling a lot of people that the Cleveland cast last year is better than the everybody around LeBron James this year. I've, I've been strong in saying that since the beginning of the year, and it just kind of comes to fruition that LeBron can't – he is superhuman – but at 34 years old, he he isn't able to carry these guys anymore. He needs some semblance of, you know, because you know, everybody's inept on that team. Some semblance of shooting and and high IQ basketball. Just I don't know what they were thinking. And, and it's not just a bad fit, um, in general. Like you know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron were never like an ideal fit, but you had them both like pretty close to the peaks of their powers. Like you, you had a certain talent level that was going to raise you above. Like if, if this was like still like oh eight oh nine, raised on Rondo, maybe things would be different because Rondo was you know at his peak physical form, he's up doing things like so much better. But like you got guys who don't fit, and they're also not 
at their best anymore. You know, Lance Stevenson. Yeah. yeah, Lance Stevenson isn't like, you know, getting thoughts about making second team all defense anymore. Uh, Michael Beasley, like, the only reason you'd ever have Michael Beasley on a team is if you literally cannot score and you're just like, 10 minutes, go try something. Like, and I, I, I didn't hate the Michael Beasley signing as much as I was saying, okay, maybe he just plays when LeBron's off the court for the, what, eight, 10 minutes a game. But ultimately, I was playing golf that day when LeBron signed to the Lakers. And I kind of got excited. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be like just a media world. Uh, just going to be a storm the whole year. And then, like, by the time I got – I was on the ninth green when that happened. By the time I got to the 11th tee box, I pull up Twitter again, and it's JaVale McGee, it's Lance Stevenson, and it's Michael Beasley. And I'm just like, this – this that's not – like, I was, like, already, like, sad about it because I'm like, man, now, now it's a joke. Yeah, giving Lance $4.5 million was awful. Yeah. Awful. You know what? Um, Brooke Lopez, give, give him that money plus – like combine those three and give them get Brooke Lopez. It would have made so much more sense, even in the moment. Well, I don't think uh, anybody expected Brooke Lopez to be a seven foot Clay Thompson. This is true. Here. That that uh, is so, true. But, I mean, he, he wasn't. He was not great on the Lakers. I mean, I kind of understood in the you know in at the time, but in hindsight, like you look at Brooke Lopez now, you're like, wow, wouldn't it be awesome for LeBron to play with someone like that, who can just nail threes from like twenty like twenty eight feet out. Yeah, like we, we we didn't know Brooke Lopez was gonna be you know hitting stuff off the dribble, but he had put up two years like of a precedent that he was gonna shoot well. He his last year in Brooklyn he shot 34 percent, uh, and and last year with the Lakers he shot thirty four thirty four percent, and those are on four and five attempts per game. So like we knew he had the ability to be a chugger, and he he's just shooting thirty seven percent this year. Like it's and that's a big deal in terms of you know the volume and and making you know two percent three percent more. Like the precedent was there that he was a shooter. It just like he, we hadn't seen a full season of it, and then surround him with a guy like Giannis it would have been like a guy like LeBron. It's a lot different than playing with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Indeed. Are we ready for guards now? Ready let's for the it. guards. All right, let's get to it. Um, I think this is chalk across the board for us. Uh, James Harden, Steph Curry. Yep, I really want Dame to be in that list because I, I watch him play on a regular basis, but um, I don't think you can argue that he is actually up there. Not, not like last year when St- Steph missed a lot of time. There's there's not that outlier where I can slide him up. Mm-hmm. Not really that excuse that you can use to to make it happen. I mean, you know, Steph right. has missed some time, but he's still going to hit near 70, uh, 70 games played. So Say, you can make the argument, well, you know, Dame, Dame is forced to do more for his team because he is the team. But even then, like, you know, Nurk was having a great year. CJ McCollum is, hasn't missed that much time. Like they've put a good cast around him. It's just Steph, Steph's un, unbelievable. He's the best offensive weapon um, that I think the NBA has ever seen. And Agreed. I'm not, I'm not about to, to disparage uh, my credibility to, to force Dame up to the, up to the number one team. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Can't, can't do it for the, for the people there in Portland. Um, no, but he's, 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 he's not far away. He really isn't. He's so close. So Ethan, um, I don't know if I, you know, Sham said he's got Giannis as his MVP. Do you, you know the Harden Giannis debate? Uh, where where are you falling in this? Well, I would vote Giannis in the tiebreaker of I enjoy watching him play more. Um, Harden obviously is incredible and can hit shots and he creates creates looks that you just don't understand. Like who thought that that was gonna like he plays in a style that I feel like a lot of people never conceptualized as a, a, a something people would do. And that's that's obviously unique in its own way, but ultimately, like, yeah, Giannis is just like a perfect basketball player for what Bud does, and or James Harden is just you know he's a he's a great basketball player, and 
if you if you let Steph Curry do the same thing, if you let Kevin Durant do the same thing, I think we could see the similar numbers. Just Harden is, you know, just leaned into it more than anyone else in the league. Yeah, well, he's I, kind of gaming the system a bit. Um, but yeah, Sham. Yeah, and well, I think Harden actually is doing it in a very interesting way. Where you know, if you if you put Steph Curry and had him go ISO like that. I don't think you get the same kind of results as you would with James Harden. James Harden has the ability to create even a little bit of space and hit crazy shots like step back threes, fadeaway threes, this and that at a very high clip. And then also he he's very threatening with his drive too. He can draw fouls. He can finish at the rim. I don't think Steph Curry can do that um, as well as James Harden would. Um, and people knock that, you know, James Harden gets, you know, draws a lot of foul gets the, you know, gets the light whistle this time, uh, you know, this year. Uh, but I think that's a skill, and I think drawing fouls is is genuinely difficult to do, especially when you get your defender off balance or whatever. And say what you want, uh, you know, officiating has been light across the board. Like you know, a lot more fouls this year than in years past. Um, a lot more and ones at the rim, uh, this and that. So I think Harden does it in a different way than most stars would. And I think like him and Daryl Morey, um, you know, kind of, no, Daryl Morey is a genius with this stuff, looking and seeing kind of the direction that that we're going. Hey, if, if refs are going to call things this way, then we're going to maximize that. And exactly. I, th- I think that you see um, him really taking advantage of this. And unless they change the rules, I mean, this is one of the most efficient ways to get there, um, getting free trips to the line and, you know, being able to knock them down at almost 90 percent. You know, James Harden, I, I I would go Giannis as well. I just think defensively, um, you know, I'm a Pistons fan. So obviously from, from the bet, um, go, go to our Pistons days with that team. I, I, you know, defense can get me, but uh, James Harden has been phenomenal this year as well. And um, him and Steph Curry, I don't think that you can really argue. These are the guys that we had pegged in uh, at the beginning of the year who we thought would, would be there. And hey, they're here again. Yeah, they're the easiest choices on this entire list, I think. Of all the positions, the of all the teams, I think these two are the easiest choices. And and Giannis. Yeah. And Giannis. I think that I think I'd agree. Well, I would I'd push back just a little bit because I think Dame's an easy choice for that first slot on the second <laughs> team. Like it's just as easy because you know you could you, you could find a way to argue that he, you know, uh maybe, you know, if you want to be a full on Blazers homer, that he's, you know, doing stuff up that is worthy of a first team spot. But I have Damian Lillard and Kyrie on the second team. Um, I'm not proud of the Kyrie thing. Kyrie gets on my nerves because I think he could be so much better. Um, you know, I, I, I often wonder about Brad Stevens as a coach. Like, whoa, know, the Brad I mean, Stevens not, Let's bring it out. Not, not that he's not a great coach. It's just like, does he get the most out of his good players? I know that that's the, you know, the, the typical criticism. But, you know, I'm from Indiana. Obviously, everyone was loving Butler that year that, that he was there and got, got into the, the championship game. And ultimately, it's just like how much how much does he you know push the ceiling up? You know, we got all these players in the league, and I kind of look at it differently. Whereas, I like people like Damon Lord, James Harden, Stephen Curry, they are all floor raisers. They get you to the point, and then you stack guys on top of them to push the ceiling up. That's 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 the way I like to look at it. And I think players are more important than coaches. And if you know we're putting Kyrie Horford, and they're getting you to the top, how much more does Brad Stevens push you up? If those are your talent, if that's your talent space, I think he can push you up a lot. It's Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford, but like, it's, I'm just not seeing the improvement that Boston. I feel like the Boston Celtics should be making, and maybe it's a chemistry issue, maybe it's a coaching issue. I'm not sure what it is, but ultimately, I think Kyrie's better than the other guard options, so I went with him for for second team guard. 
Do you guys remember when it was like the question of would you rather have Brad Stevens or would you rather have like an NBA star, like a, like a really, really good player? Like, and, and that was kind of a thing. I thought that was stupid because I'd take Eric Spolster over Brad Stevens. And, oh I wouldn't take, and I wouldn't take Albert or Eric Spolster over LeBron James. So there you go. Fair enough. For me, so yeah, Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard obviously, second team. Um, what he's been able to do has been been awesome, uh, considering that everyone thought that Portland, a lot of people thought that Portland was was going to fall off a cliff, not he, not us here at the Hero Ball Podcast. But after the beatdown they took in the playoffs, people thought, well, maybe, maybe it's just not in the cards. Uh, I'm glad to see him come out and, and play so well. Like you mentioned, I just don't know what to do with Kyrie. I am not quite sure where to put him. I didn't want to reward him. I So I, I have him. I don't have him here in second team. I initially had Russ, but his shooting, his shooting woes have just been so bad that I couldn't do it. I didn't. So I like this. Honestly, the second guard spot um, on the second team is the hardest one for me out of out of everyone. So I'm, I'm just going Kemba. He might miss the playoffs, but uh, he is literally the only thing there in Charlotte that is worth that's worth anything. And he's probably going to I mean, I don't know, but he might even leave after this year. That'll just be really sad for those people in Charlotte. But he's ha- he's had an unbelievable season. Him and a couple of uh, deep Jeremy Lamb threes uh, have really kept their their season afloat. Uh, so I'm just going to go with him. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, I had Kemba in consideration for, you know, all these guard spots. Um, I may or may not have added him to my third team. You'll find out. Um, but uh, I uh, I think Damian Lillard is a, no- is a no-brainer on this list. I think he's the third best guard in the, you know, in the league. Um, I put Kyrie as the other guard. And the reason why is because I think, his offense is much better than any of the other options at this spot, you know, between Russ, Bradley Beal, Kemba Walker, uh, per, per hundred percent, per hundred possessions, he's averaging 34.8 points, you know, 10.1 assists, almost seven rebounds, 2.3 steals. I think he puts up the numbers in the limited time that he has on the court. I think his knock is, you know, health. He's only played 66 games this year, but I still think he's very impactful when he's on the court and his, and his numbers reflect it. So he earns that second spot in my mind. Yeah. I think he's got the, uh, the luxury and the curse in terms of, he does have good surrounding talent. So it's a tough yep. balance to strike of how often do I just go off? And I would argue that he needs to just go off more often. He needs to say, I am the guy I'm going to carry us every fourth quarter. And I think the team would be better suited for it overall. But, you know, with the team performing so well with him gone last year, I think that's where it's it's all about the ego management. And I think that's why he elects to not, you know, just be hero ball the whole, the entire uh, 30 some odd minutes he plays. I think I think the team would be better for it, though, if he took more of that. I'm going to just go score and I'll find you guys when they sh- when they sh- shut me off. Mm-hmm. And maybe you see that in the playoffs. Um, we'll have to see. That's an interesting uh this whole playoffs going to be really interesting, especially for him, considering uh, there's the thing where he might just leave. And uh, I guess we'll see. Third team. Third team guards. Last last one we're really talking about here. Um, Shame, who do you got? So the first guard spot would go to Russ. I think Russ is still putting up crazy numbers. He's averaging a triple-double again this year. He's uh, His defensive numbers are a little bit improved than years past. Uh, so he, he earns that spot just from the numbers alone. And his team is still a playoff team at one point ascended all the way to second or third seed in the in the West. So I think between him and Paul George, they've really elevated that team and helped them be successful. So he earns that spot. 
um, for me. And the last spot, the, the last guard spot was difficult for me. There were a lot of people I could have chosen. Uh, you know, I was considering Donovan Mitchell, Kemba Walker, Bradley Beal, um, to a very lesser extent, D'Angelo Russell. Um, but I ended up choosing Bradley Beal, and I think his numbers are a little bit better than the other options. Um, he is on a bad team, but the team is like intentionally bad. So if you look at the the, the people around him, they're they're not all that great. Um, and I, I think he's the the bright spot in a very very dark place, um, very similar to Kemba, but Bradley Beal's numbers are slightly better. Yeah, I think that you know the moment that John Wall went down, and, and the listeners know that Ethan is a John Wall stand. Um, still oh, yeah. wants to, still wants to trade for him right now. Uh, I mean, be... I'm 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 wavering on that. Okay, point, fine. but um. But yeah, Bradley Beal, uh, moment he went down, it's like, it's okay, Bradley Beal, you are literally what we have here. So uh, we're also going to trade Otto Porter Jr. away. So have at it. And, uh, you know, he's played well. It's just that Washington has been so bad. Um, it's, you know, do you go ahead and reward that? Well, I mean, I rewarded uh, Kemba Walker, even though he's probably going to miss the playoffs. And it's kind of a similar situation with those guys. Uh, but if, you're right. His his numbers are are, are better um, overall across the board than, than the other guys that we're talking about. So it's it's, it's respectable. Yeah, I went with Russ as the the lock for that like fifth guard position, and I I am having a horrible time deciding into for the last spot because I do not want to pick Bradley Beal for whatever reason. I can't. I I don't want to do it. And so these are the guys I put into the. Basketball reference player comparison. Uh, Bradley Beal, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, and Kimba Walker. And in the same sense that Bradley Beal's team is intentionally bad, so is Mike Conley's, and so is Kimba Walker. So I, I think I've narrowed it down to those three. So I'm looking at per 100 possessions right now. And in terms of offensive rating and defensive rating, Mike Conley has the best numbers in that category. Points per game, Kimba is at 35 or points per 100 possessions, Kim is at 35, Bradley Beal 32.8, and Mike Conley 31.4. Mike Conley would lead the categories in assists at nine, uh, 9.5 versus 7, and then 8.2 for Kimba. Perc- um, f- Percentage-wise on field on shots, he, he's shooting 36% at three, which is uh, you know a percent better than Beal and Kimba. And free throw, he's shooting the same percentage as Kimba at 84 versus Bradley Beal at 80%. Guys, I'm going to go with Mike Conley, the most underappreciated man in the NBA. And I I don't know if this is some kind of like retribution pick for like I, I believe in gr- the Memphis Grizzlies, even though I know they I knew they weren't going to be a playoff team. You know, I was rooting for their success in the beginning of the season. But ultimately, um, Mike Conley, I think, is having a better year than Bradley Beal. He's doing it with le- even less surrounding talent as much as – um. I don't want to sit, put uh, Jeff Green and Bobby Portis on a pedestal. I'd like to compare them to Ivan Rab um, and go from there. And also, they, Jonas Valanciunas, I think, is the one lone other bright spot on that um, Memphis Grizzlies team. But I, if we're going to go, if we're going to pick someone who I don't think is particularly deserving, um, I'm going to go with Conley over Bradley Beal. I mean, they have, they have uh, at the moment, um, those teams have the same number of wins. It's okay. just that. You know, I mean, if you're gonna with someone who's not who's not there, why not why not give some respect to the uh, the elder statesman of the group? 
And I personally think, you know, Mike Conley, I I think we'd be seeing a lot different too. Like, I feel like if he would have ended up getting traded at the deadline, I think we would have saw the effect that he has on a team that that, that has the surrounding talent. Um, I think if he would have ended up on the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell's numbers, he would become more efficient but less uh, volume on his numbers overall. And we would have saw that Mike Conley really took control of that team and and made made them better. You know, I think just adding his shooting ability comparatively to Ricky Rubio and just the gravity he would pull, even if the percentages aren't always um that that different. That I think I'd really I'd be terrified of the Jazz come postseason time if they had Mike Conley versus Ricky Rubio in that starting lineup. I mean, I got I have Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, and I'm not happy about it with my third team. So I mean, I'm not going to get too feisty with with any of uh, your picks there. So. I mean, I'm okay with either one. Anything else we want to talk about, or is, have we hit the end? I've 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 covered my thing. Um, want to mention like that? I would love to pick Ben Simmons for that spot, but ultimately I couldn't couldn't find numbers. That, couldn't find numbers that yeah he is. You're right. That's one thing. But he's left-handed, so I love him. Um, but yeah, Ben Simmons. He he didn't do enough. I'm, I'm just kind of like reviewing my list, mm-hmm. and it's pretty like. You know, I feel like I did a pretty good job. I, I think I guessed that Anthony Davis was going to play games this year, so I had him on first team center. Sure. That's un, that's an unfortunate miss, and I was hoping Ben Simmons would you know not be so much of a coward as Shams uh, so eloquently pointed out, mm-hmm. but he was. So he doesn't get he doesn't get any rewards. Yeah, I think um, I think there are a few people that I would like to discuss that are on the outside looking in. Um, okay. We talked about uh, you know the you know. Mike Conley has is is in the outside looking in for me. Uh, Kemba as well. Donovan Mitchell outside looking in for me. Um, Rudy Gobert we talked about. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge as well. Um, I can't really think of anybody else, but yeah, those guys really should, like deserve. I mean, if there were a fourth team, this would be so much easier, but there isn't, and someone has to be left out. And I feel like those guys are 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 playing well but are not, are not playing to the level of the guys that are listed. Would Carl Anthony Towns make your fourth team? No, I think no, it's because, Yeah, it would be Gobert, yeah. Oh, man, true. He could be a forward. Still no. No. Yeah, we, we, we would go with LaMarcus and uh, Gobert, make LaMarcus a power forward again. Yep. And then if you did like a fifth team, I still probably wouldn't choose Cat. Yeah. Well, that that might be a little haterific, but... We're here for the Cat slander. It's okay. Yeah, sixth team, not Cat. Seventh, no. <laughs> I get Boban in there ahead of him, please. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I, I do. You know, we mentioned D'Angelo Russell um, briefly in in his you know his kind of coming out season. You know, he's in he's in line for most improved player with Pascal Siakam. I, I kind of rooting for Siakam in that regard because that is he was kind of a shock to the system and how effective he played this year. But D'Angelo Russell, guys, like how, how much value do we put? on a guy who has, you know, the onions and, like, late-game heroics that D'Angelo Russell seems to always have this season. Like, do we think this is, like, a, you know, a lucky run in terms of, like, kind of clutch gene showing up? Or is it, like, you know, he actually is that good. He can get that space and with those, you know, high-arcing floaters and that, you know, smooth release on his jump shot. This is something that we can see repeated for the Nets, hopefully to make the playoffs this year for their sake and to continue that rolling into the the future. I think, um, like, a lot of it, is is comes down to one D'Lo's like individual talent and an ability to you know be clutch in late game situations, but I think also a lot of credit needs to be given to the front office for the Nets and Kenny Atkinson because he's allowed to do all of the things that he's able to do right now to be successful and the Nets are you know right 
as of right now, a playoff team, primarily because of the team around D'Angelo Russell. Sure, D'Angelo Russell is the guy to take those clutch shots, but the other guys on that team are are playing at a very high level. And I think that's all, you know, all the credit should go to Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. And and I have personally been a fan of the Nets and their team building uh, in spite of having, you know, ill-fitting parts and, and, and basically pieces of poop to work with. No future assets. They've really done an amazing job. Indeed. I mean, uh, you know, Pistons fans rue the day that Spencer Dinwiddie left the team. I mean, you know, now looking back at it, uh, but, you know, him and Karis LeVert, glad he's back. Uh, that whole team, uh, you know, you hope that they make the playoffs because if, I mean, not at the expense of the Pistons, obviously, but um, it, it'd be really fun to see them and they're all out, you know, really going for it. Um, they they seem like they're one of those teams that uh, just because they're a bunch of guys who seem to have been cast off uh, have really come together and played really well. Yeah, I, it's all about, you know, getting value where you have your selections. And Karis Silver, you know, middle, I don't know if he was like 13th, 15th, or 17th, maybe even 19th. Like he, was, he was one of those picks, but he was a value pick wherever they got him because he's, he's turned into a, like a productive starter, role player type of guy. By the way, I think the, the Nets are a lock because the Heat have, are now at 42 losses on the season. Like The Nets are going to have to really choke it away for it uh, to not work out for them. Um, anyway, but – you know, Joe Harris, you know, a guy who LeBron sent away from Cleveland when he first came back, you know, didn't have any patience on that jump shot. Uh, he's shooting 47% from three this year. Yikes. Crazy. That is insane. No one does that. And then aside from him, like, it's it's about taking guys like Damari Carroll, who is, is, is not a good player anymore. He's just totally okay. But, like, taking him, you know – to, to bring in, like, you know, a small draft asset and take the salary cap relief from a team that just didn't have room for him anymore. Jared Allen, another value pick. I mean, he was in the same draft class as, you know, Bam Adebayo and, and um, jo- John Collins. And, you know, you can definitely make the argument that he's equally as good as both those players. I definitely will go with Bam because I am I am a homer. But Jared Jared Allen is, is really good. You know, he gets dunked on, but he also gets a lot of highlight blocks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know. Two on Blake Griffin. <laughs> that's right oh, yeah i i really think like the only like p- of the picks they've had the only one you can really criticize is ronde hollis jefferson and to be honest like he was also in that middle middle round pick and you know you can't hit all of them and ronde hollis jefferson had all the physical tools just not a whole lot of skill so it's it's they took the gambles on the right guys with russell and dimwitty those guys have you know performed and they've hit the draft picks they've had for the most part yeah, but the only mistake was taking Alan Crabb off the Blazers' hands for almost nothing in return. That was that was a nice nice gesture, but not a not a, that was about the only move that I'd have criticism for. Yeah, other than that, Sean Marks has done phenomenally over there in Brooklyn. Yeah, but kudos to them. We appreciate the Miami Heat losing yes. today. Um, I think when the Pistons win today, they are in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that's they, they, they have the tiebreaker over the Heat. The Heat would have to win their next two games and have the Nets lose their next game and then all then lose to the Heat as well for the Nets to fall out. I, I, I all I know is like I'm okay with the Heat missing the playoffs for the simple fact that we 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 have the karma gods on our side in terms of lottery. So maybe we can pop up there and get Ja Morant. I don't. Even, I won't even. I won't even ask for Zion Williamson. I'll just, just give me Ja. That's fine. How humble. How exactly, you know, I, I that's exactly how I, I very humble of me, you know, Jarrett Culver, even I'll take him. That's fine too. Keep point justice a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm we're glad, glad you're okay with that, Ethan. Uh, take one for the team. 
Yeah, yeah, you know that, that's what I do. I'm all I'm a team player out here. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that's it for us, guys. Uh, Sham, one more time, hit us up where uh, where, where can we find you and uh, um, just look, give, give us that one more time. So you can follow me at Sham Sham God. Um, I'm a good follow. I'm a funny guy. Um, and uh, you can listen to my podcast, Two Gods and a Goose. Uh, it's a great podcast. Make sure you listen to that one after you listen to this one. Um, and yeah, you find all my content on my Twitter page. So thanks for having me on, guys. This is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, th- thanks for joining. Sorry for that you didn't make it in the in the um, uh, bracket for for Pistons Twitter. We we voted for you. I ran into a buzzsaw. You know, Kofi is one of those guys that I I really respect. He's kind of as like the national, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know sphere, and and I don't. So I'm I'm glad that he won. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see who kind of shakes out and wins that bracket. So it's it's interesting. Yep. Well, thanks again. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, that's it for us today. Thanks a lot, guys. Till next time. <laughs>